0: Conspiracy show with Richard Sarin from Zuma Radio AM 740.
1: And welcome to the audio imaginarium. Come on in weary stranger, hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Investigative reporter John Rappaport of No More Fake News is standing by to talk about fake news. The deep state, the shadow government, vault number seven, and much more. Uh, What's in the box? Our weekly remote viewing experiment will be in the second hour of tonight's transmission. And if you want to take part in the remote viewing experiment and score some fabulous conspiracy show merchandise, use the hashtag... TCS remote, TCS as in the conspiracy show, remote, hashtag TCS remote. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal researcher extraordinaire, who joins us once a month. Well, she'll drop by also in the second hour, the bottom of the the second hour. Uh, She, the author of over 60 books on the supernatural. And uh, that's, again, second hour. And then open lines in the second hour as well. We have a busy show, a lot going on. Let me just recap for those of you following along at home. So, uh, John Rappaport coming up for the whole hour. Then, second hour, open lines for the first half hour. Rosemary Ellen Guiley at the bottom of the hour to take us on home right through till morning. Uh, Let me introduce the boys in the band, as always, on the Gibson Flying V guitar, our technical producer, Ian Robertson. And, uh, Ian, very quickly, are you gigging around uh, town at all, my fine rockabilly friend?
2: Uh, Quebec City, March 24th.
1: Quebec City? Yeah. Ah, La Belle Provence. Can't announce the venue yet. You can't? Coming up. All right. Did they know about it? <laughs> Are you just going to show up somewhere with and your guitar? It's, it's
3: booked, but it can't be announced yet. Oh, all
1: right. right. Yeah. We'll make sure that we announce that uh, next week. Yeah. Will we Do we have time? Yeah, next week we'll announce it, right? Sounds good. Great. Thanks. All right. And uh, then we have on the uh, Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, our story producer, Albert Venzel. Albert, how are you? Uh,
4: good. Couldn't be better.
1: I found Albert at the front door this, uh, this evening, and he was frozen to the window pane. So I let him in and uh, warmed him up a little bit with some tea. Uh, and uh, on the Hammond B3, the intrepid Ryan White, our intern. Ryan, how are you tonight?
5: Doing excellent, Richard. Thank you.
1: All right, you two, study your uh, remote viewing protocols. I'll come back to you in hour two when we do our uh, little experiment. the uh, The term "fake news," I don't have to tell you this. It's being tossed around these days, uh, both the uh, by the right, the left, the mainstream media. They're hurling it at the alternative media. The alternative media is hurling it back at the the mainstream media. The, one of the reasons the mainstream media, not one of the reasons, the main reason the mainstream media is targeting the alternative media, particularly YouTubers, people like Paul Joseph Watson uh, and, and others in the alternative uh, media, people like Alex Jones, is because they are eating the mainstream media's lunch. They are stealing their audience. People like Jones and, and Paul Joseph Watson and others, look at their numbers bigger than CNN, bigger than MSNBC. So this has the MSM very nervous, and um, so they're going after the alternative media, their competition, and just branding them with the fake news uh, epithet. However, um, long before the term fake news became sort of part of the popular culture, John Rappaport started an alternative news website called nomorefakenews.com. And it was dedicated to exposing the collaborating, colluding mainstream media, the propaganda, the partisanship of uh, what is supposed to be an objective fourth estate. And it's, it's none of those things. And so he's been calling them out for at least a decade and a half on nomorefakenews.com. And um, you can read his weekly uh, dispatches there. Uh, but before nomorefakenews.com, John Rappaport uh, was toiling as a, a freelance investigative reporter. He is the author of three explosive collections available on CD-ROM. We'll tell you how you can get those. The Matrix Revealed, Exit from the Matrix, and Power Outside of the Matrix. He's written articles on politics, health, media, culture for the L.A. Weekly, Spin Magazine, Stern, Village Voice, Nexus, CBS Health Watch, and other newspapers and uh, magazines in the U.S. and Europe. In 1982, the L.A. Weekly submitted his name for a Pulitzer Prize for his interview with the president of El Salvador University, where the military had taken over the campus He's hosted, produced, written radio programs and segments in L.A., Las Vegas. He's appeared as a guest on over 200 radio and television programs, including ABC's Nightline, Hard Copy. Since 2000, John has operated largely away from the mainstream because, as he puts it, my research was not friendly to the conventional media. Great pleasure, as always, to have John Rappaport back on the program. John, how are you?
6: very good richard. how are you
1: terrific thank you your website uh, no morefake news dot com I, I I think I said it about a decade and a half but it's what two thousand you started that something like that uh
6: two thousand and one
1: two thousand and one so I mean you look like a soothsayer that's that's a domain that's a name that's uh, worth a lot of money i would say uh, i'm I'm guessing a lot of people would love to have uh no more fake news dot com um But did you ever think you'd live to see the day when the mainstream media is being called out finally for their collaboration, partisanship, propaganda, the way you've been doing it for 15 years? But now there's this loud chorus. It's almost like a piling on.
6: Well, no, I didn't (laughs) in a word. I didn't think about it. It just didn't seem to be on the horizon when I started No More Fake News, but then I would say maybe five years ago it began to occur to me that the seesaw was tipping in the other direction because there was so much more independent media on the Internet, and these people were exposing mainstream news outlets, stories that were patently false, in all manner of uh, arenas, and it began to occur to me: you know, something's happening here. This is not just a few individuals. This is not just uh, controlled opposition. This is, uh, you know, these are independent voices, independent writers, and more and more people are turning away from uh, mainstream news to find out what's really going on. I would also say that the movement that uh, gathered around Ron Paul played a role there. That's a good point. Many factors, but that certainly, uh, you know, brought a lot of people to start thinking about deep issues like the Federal Reserve System in the United States and foreign wars being fought. For what reason again? Remind us what was the evidence? People were waking up in huge numbers, and of course, they were being roundly uh, attacked and criticized and so forth, but it's happening.
1: Well, and, and here's the other thing, and again, you know, love him or hate him, uh, President Trump now is reading from the same choir sheet because. He's part of that chorus. He's not shy about uh, calling out the mainstream media and calling them fake news. He's not shy about pointing a finger at uh, other administrations and saying, you're the war party, uh, you've let us down this. I mean, he, it's, he is, his, there's a recklessness uh, that can either be admired or perhaps uh, shunned. But uh, he's gone a long way in, in, in kicking that door open as well. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, it's a rotten door, but he sort of has is, is, uh, really played a big role in putting the boots to that door, wouldn't you say?
6: No question about it. Absolutely. And I've written about this extensively uh, with the same caveat that you just uh, mentioned. You can hate him. You can love him. You can be on his side. You can be against him. Doesn't matter. On this issue, he stepped into the arena and immediately began attacking major media and shooting from the hip, in, in a sense, spontaneously, uh, which was something I've never seen in my lifetime for a major presidential candidate and then a president that's never come close to happening. I mean, this guy just you know would turn around and some reporter from CNN would say something, and he would look at him and say, you're an idiot. (laughs) Yes. And these people wouldn't know how to respond, because it had never happened to them before. You know, it's like somebody who's got such a a deep sense of uh, self-entitlement that they presume that nobody is seriously going to challenge them on the basis of lying. And then all of a sudden, here comes this guy, Trump, and he does it every single day. And I thought to myself, well, I wonder once he's elected now, is he going to back off? But he hasn't. If anything, the attacks have grown stronger. And he reflected the feeling of millions and millions and millions of people on various different issues, not only the issues that he brings up who have, you know, watched the news every night and said to themselves, what is going on here? I'm not getting the straight story. I'm not getting anything from these people. Or read, uh, you know, the great newspapers of the world and say, this is just a bunch of baloney. I'm not getting beneath the issues to find out what's really going on. And uh, so here comes Trump, and he awakens all these people and you know you can't put it back in the box once it's out
1: what kind of response uh, have you been getting at com since uh let's let's just say since the uh, the last election cycle when a lot of these you know terms that you talk about on your in your blog that you write about that we talk about on this show and other shows like it terms like deep state terms like shadow government i heard um, a, a broadcaster on a major U.S. cable news network used those two terms in the same sentence, and <laughs> I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Deep state and shadow government. But these are now these terms are filtering into the mainstream consciousness now. Finally, but what kind of response are you getting now at nomorefakenews.com, dot com? Say the last eighteen months.
6: Accelerated, much accelerated. I mean, it was already expanding, but now. The people who go to the website and sign up for the email list, for example, that is just uh, blowing up. And uh, some of it is coming from interviews like this one. Uh, but, you know, its uh, I think a lot of it is coming just because of the fact that I've been exposing fake news for a long time and people are waking up and catching on. And so... It's been a kind of a renaissance for me personally. And I know for other people too who have been doing the same thing. People are waking up. They're seeing that the terms of the argument have changed. You know, instead of. Uh, well, we think maybe we should adjust the budget. No, we shouldn't. We should spend more. No, we shouldn't. We can't spend more. Yo, oh, yes, we can. You know these kinds of dilly dallying back and forth, the, the usual substance of the news. The whole thing has changed. The whole basis, the foundation of the whole thing has changed. It
1: has. It has. Like, people have had yeah. enough of the soaring rhetoric. They just want. They're ready to to burn the whole thing down. John, we'll take a time out. Come back, and uh, I want to talk to you about. Uh, WikiLeaks' latest CIA document dump, and I know you've written about it recently on nomorefakenews.com. We'll do that. Stay
0: with us here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back.
1: John Rappaport stays with us. Just a reminder, at the uh, top of the hour open lines and uh, you can help steer the ship and take it just about anywhere you want to go john rappaport of course no more fake com, and uh, the author of three explosive collections available on uh, cd rom these are just they're dense just uh like a neutron star you know lo- one teaspoon weighs more than i don't know and <laughs> uh, that's enough of the analogy but tell us about the matrix revealed exit from the matrix power outside the matrix, John, uh, the content, and how do people get a hold of them?
6: Well, getting a hold of them is just by going to nomorefakenews.com. Yes, they are uh, large, large collections. And it, it uh, you know, segs in from what we were talking about before the break. If, in fact, we have been looking at reality that has been presented to us false reality for a long long time on this planet presented to us by various elites and secret societies and people behind the curtain and so on shadow governments then we can do one of two things we can either acquiesce in that and say okay well that's reality this is uh, what I see this is what I hear Or we can say, no, this reality was invented in order to entrap us and I can invent a better reality myself. I have the potential within me to do that. And in a nutshell, that's where that's the nexus point of all these three collections what is the potential of the individual human being, and how has that been buried and forgotten and suppressed and written over by history, and so on and so forth. The individual, the power of the individual, to get beyond this matrix of false invented reality on every level, not just political reality, not just economic reality, but spiritual reality as well. So when I started No More Fake News, that was my twin goal along with exposing scandals and frauds and so forth, and I've been at that for a very long time. So we- No More Fake News, you'll get complete descriptions of what these uh, collections are, and you can order them if you uh, are interested.
1: You you talk about this, the Matrix, and, and- – creating or, or manufacturing reality. And here's a perfect example. Uh, in, in fact, my, my good friends who are joining us on the, uh, the YouTube stream or on the chat, the live chat, are talking about, you know, the Russian story and what about the Russian story. And this is a perfect example of what you, you, you um, sort of unpack in your Matrix series. Here we have a colluding, collaborating, main, corporate mainstream media they come up with this notion that uh, the Trump campaign, the Trump administration, uh, Trump is the Siberian candidate, uh, and uh, absolutely no evidence, even uh, the, the former head of Intel, James Clapper, said there's no evidence. The, the, uh, the House Intel Committee says there's no evidence, uh, and yet the narrative persists uh, and then we have this CIA documents uh, dump courtesy of uh, our friends at WikiLeaks where – and perhaps the most damning piece of, of information that just came out in uh, Vault Number 7, they're calling it. The CIA's use of other nations' hacking tools in order to give the impression that when the CIA hacks into secret areas, it looks like other nations did the hacking. And you wrote about this recently. On, no, on, your, on your blog on com. So uh, how does the CIA do this, first of all? And secondly, what does this mean with respect to claims that the Russians hacked the election? I ask somewhat rhetorically.
6: <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, what it means is, is that the CIA has stolen, appropriated, gotten their hands on methods, tools, equipment, etc., etc., that are used by other nations, governments, to do hacking. And the reason for getting a hold of this is because the CIA, like any big intelligence agency, lives through deception. So when they hack, they want to make it appear as if it's not me, it's those guys over there. You can see the fingerprints that are left here by the The hacking belonged to other nation governments, for example, Russia. So it would be child's play for the CIA to do the hacking themselves or, quote, investigate the hacking and come up with this uh, statement, yes, we found the fingerprints of the Russians all over this and so forth. Well, you, the CIA, have the equipment and the means and the methods to make it look that way. These agencies are in the business of deception. That's what they do. That's what they do every day. And part of that deception is making it appear that they didn't do anything but somebody else did when they want that to be the story of the day, when they want to leak that to the media, when they want to leak it to the Washington Post. And uh, another relevant story which... I hope many people are aware of by now, is that the owner of the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, who is the owner of Amazon, has a $600 million contract with the CIA through Amazon, cloud computing services that Amazon is providing to the CIA with more contract money undoubtedly in the offing.
1: That's right, right.
6: and, and So you- there you have... You know, they're joined at the hip. Anything the CIA wants published in the Washington Post is a picnic on a Sunday in the park.
1: And and yet, John, I don't recall ever seeing uh, the Washington Post preface any of their coverage on the CIA with that caveat that the Washington Post's owner has a $600 million contract to build uh, a cloud – Uh, for data management for the CIA. I've never read that in that newspaper.
6: (laughs) That's right, and you never will. And even more damning in a way is we haven't seen any other significant major media coverage of that story either. So it isn't just the Washington Post that doesn't print the disclaimer. The New York Times, CNN, CBS... What have you, the LA Times, they're not covering this incredible conflict of interest at the Washington Post either because they don't do that. <laughs> because in their business, they don't go on the attack against their uh, allies in the major media. And so that, as much as anything, shows the amount of collusion that exists. Between and among these major news outlets, they just let that story hopefully die and go away, and it's not going to go away.
1: Uh, staying with the, the Russian theme, because the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, yes. the uh, The Washington Post also ran with a number of stories uh, that were totally uh, false. One of them had to do with the Russians hacking a um, one of the power grids in New England. Uh, they said that it had Vladimir Putin's finger, fingerprints all over it. That was fairly quickly dismissed, but w- there was no retraction uh, that I can recall, and I've looked for it. I may be mistaken, but I don't see. I don't think there was a retraction from the Washington Post on on that one. And there are some other instances I'm trying to remember. You you, you may have some as well. Um, that is fake news, and and then, then you can get you can get something wrong. People get things wrong. Journalists get things wrong, but. You're supposed to retract. You're supposed to uh, you know, fall on bended knee and say, sorry, we screwed up. This is, these are the facts. We misrepresented the facts or we got it wrong.
6: Yes, and you haven't seen that and you haven't seen it really debunked as it should have been by other major outlets either. The Russian story just keeps on going. It kept on going with Michael Flynn or he talked to a Russian as if, uh, you know, nobody else has ever done that. No senators, no congressmen, no people inside the government, no political candidates. I mean, this happens all the time. Well, you
1: mentioned it Flynn.
6: signify collusion or, or some sort of uh, agenda that's being carried out between Trump and the Russians. It, it signifies nothing of the sort.
5: What it it's just signifies a major
6: distraction and an attempt to again uh, not lose the election that they already lost
5: <laughs> well
1: here's something interesting the and this gets round to uh, trump's three a m tweet about uh, the Trump tower being wiretapped by the Obama administration, and you know. I think that was pretty reckless to say that without you know maybe he meant maybe that was short form for the Obama department uh, justice department. uh however, here's the the smoking gun perhaps, and that is where was Michael Flynn when he was communicating, and he should have been this was his when you're in transition it's 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 commonplace for um an incoming administration in the transition period, to reach out to their counterparts. There was certainly nothing illegal or untoward about that. I think he panicked, and I think Trump panicked. But where was Flynn when he was having this conversation with his counterpart? In the Trump Tower. Mm -hmm. So there must have been a tap.
6: Absolutely. You uh, You don't get that information any other way. And then there was also a transcript. Yes. So... There was some kind of a tap going on or wiretapping, surveillance, that, this sort of thing. That story has not been uh, really covered at all as well. So what we're looking at here is just an absolute barrage of fake news on top of fake news that really accelerated right after the election when Trump won. It was like, okay, we, we, the major media, can't deal with the fact that we got it completely wrong, our prediction. And on top of that, we supported Hillary Clinton from the beginning and did everything we could to defame Trump, and we still lost. And we're sitting here with egg all over our faces. That's not going to work for us. We have to deflect attention onto something else. We have to find a scapegoat. We have to blame somebody other than ourselves. And there is sweat, panic, desperation in all of this on the part of major media to try to shift the focus of the story, explain the whole thing away. Well, the reason we got the election so wrong was because we didn't know that Vladimir Putin, while he was sitting there sipping his vodka, was actually... Somehow corrupting the election and handing it to Donald Trump, which, you know, is a fairy tale invented on the spur of the moment uh, one night when people were in a panic. And then, okay, now we need to get some leaks from the CIA and we need to build this story and we need to take it as far as we can. And that's what they've been doing.
1: I have no doubt that the Russians you know, try to influence elections. This is what nations do. The, uh, uh, the, the United States, during uh, Barack Obama's administration, intervened in the Israeli election. They hired consulting firms. They poured millions of dollars into un, to unseat Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I mean, that was blatant, and yet that wasn't recorded. That wasn't reported, rather. So these things go on, but uh, as you say, where is, where is the evidence? Uh, there is none uh and yet the narrative uh, continues it's the story that that won't die i'm i'm wondering though if there's something else behind this and that is we we we, t- we were talking about the deep state uh part of that is the war party which is it has no allegiance to either party it's it's raison d'etre is perpetual war clashes of a clash of civilization the same party that was trying to prevent Eisenhower from meeting with Khrushchev. Uh, perhaps that was what Oswald was doing in Russia. He gave the, uh, the code so that they could shoot down the U-2. Down goes France, uh, Gary Francis Powers. Huge embarrassment. The, uh, the meeting between Eisenhower and Khrushchev is called off. I think there's a remnant of that still at work here that does not want Trump to meet with Putin, they didn't want Nixon to meet with Brezhnev, they didn't want Reagan to meet with Gorbachev, and it's happening all over again. What do you think?
6: Yes, I would say there are two things there. One is exactly as you're saying, the war party, because, and again, it doesn't matter what you think of Trump, just remember what he was talking about as a clue to what he might have been planning and is planning to do. He said, these wars are insane. We don't need to fight these wars. We don't want to fight these wars. We just want to come home and make America strong. That's what the job should be. That's it. Other people who have their own problems are eventually going to have to solve those problems. Well... You know, that's like waving a silver cross in front of a vampire.
1: <laughs> it's so true. i got to take a time out, John. It's so true. And the crazy thing is, this is the exact same thing Bernie Sanders was talking about. Uh, actually, he and Trump saw eye to eye on that. We will uh, continue our conversation with the great John Rappaport, news.com
0: Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, The New AM 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, The New AM 740. Poking Holes in the Darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416 360 0740 or toll free at 1 866 740 4740. Investigative reporter John Rappaport with us, no more
1: No more And uh, you can order his three uh, CD ROM collections there The Matrix Revealed, Exit from the Matrix, and Power. Outside the Matrix, and uh, if you're interested in playing catch-up in this uh, crazy topsy-turvy world and what's quickly becoming uh, mainstream, uh, and you want to learn what people like John have been on about for the last three decades or more, it's all there. These uh, these collections um, you've got uh, you've got hundreds and hundreds of documents. some of these came to you from a whistleblower, did they not?
6: Yes, well, these are interviews, actually, with not exactly a whistleblower because he remained in the shadows, but he was a propaganda operative, retired, who participated in some of the biggest frauds and hoaxes of the 20th century, I would say, second half. And, uh, I extensively interviewed him many, many, many times. And it was really enlightening, to say the least. So, you know, before the break, we started to get into things that Trump was talking about that uh, put the deep state into a panic. And the other thing he was talking about, of course, was globalism. Yes. And in the Matrix series... I take up that issue at a much deeper level than the news takes up that issue. In other words, we're talking about control of the planet on every level. But Trump was saying something very simple, and just his saying it started to bring many people on board. Whether or not he was going to do anything about it, there was no modern president who was campaigning on the basis of we have to stop globalism. I mean that's unheard of absolutely yes
1: it's Trump doesn't know the meaning of the term that which shall remain nameless he names things right. he calls things what they are that we've been thinking about globalism I mean when we talk about that on the air all the time you write about it all the time Alex Jones and so forth for years and years and years never before has a public official called them out by name
6: exactly and He went right for the throat, in a sense. He started talking about the free trade treaties and how they are destroying and have been destroying the economy of the country because they throw uh, untold numbers of people out of good jobs when these corporations suddenly close down their factories in America. Bernie Sanders himself said 60,000 factories have closed down in America in the last 15 years. 60,000 factories. So where do these jobs go? They go overseas. The factories reopen. The corporations reopen them. Slave labor wages, no environmental rules or conditions. They make the products for pennies. They ship them back to the United States and sell them and pay no tariffs. They pay no penalty, no tax, no anything for bringing these Products back into the country. Well, you go back to the founders. They're talking about tariffs all the time. They're talking about the necessity of having protective tariffs to protect companies inside the United States. But they didn't even conceive of a time when you would have all these predatory corporations shutting down their plants in the home country and moving them thousands of miles away. And never paying tariffs to bring the products back in and sell them here. So what Trump was saying is, well, we're going to stop all that. That's never going to happen again. We don't care about these stupid trade treaties. We're going to renegotiate everything. And if we want to trade with a nation, we'll sit down and we'll work something out. It's just called business. It's not that difficult to do if you want to defend America. And this just you know, panic again, huge amount of panic within the globalist elite, the Rockefeller globalists, that this guy might get elected president, and who knows, he might actually try to do this and turn the whole thing around. So that's another reason why he and what he's saying and the people who support what he's saying, regardless of whether they support him, have to be shut down some way or another. Trump has to be discredited, he has to be driven out of office, that's their entire program.
1: And and this is where the the shadow government comes in because there is almost a permanent bureaucratic class in Washington. They're in the State Department, they're in the Department of Justice, uh, and they really uh, they control the narrative. It's. It reminds me of a quote that was attributed to Vladimir Lenin uh, when he started to realize that he wasn't really in charge of the revolution. He said something to the effect that my hands are on the steering wheel, but I really don't have control of the car. And that speaks to, I think, what Trump, the situation Trump is finding himself in. Uh, he He'd like to take the country this way, but... In order to do that, he's got to drag this permanent bureaucracy with him. And uh, they're, 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 they're trying to drag it in the, in the exact opposite direction, or they're trying to keep it exactly where it is, more like it.
6: Exactly. Exactly. It's a very, very difficult thing. There are numerous number of infiltrators at every level who have this globalist agenda infiltrators in government who have been sitting behind desks for, in some cases, decades. And they have their minions, and they have their connections, and so on and so forth. And so in order to change all of that, people have to understand driving America into the ground, and not just America, but I mean many countries, many countries that show any technological progress or industrial power and so forth. That operation has been ongoing at least since the end of World War II and really before the end of World War II.
1: Okay, John, i got to so jump in here. We gotta, that is unbelievable. Got to take a quick timeout. Back with John Rappaport. Stay with us.
0: Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. And uh, just a
1: reminder, coming up at the uh, top of the hour, open lines. And then uh, that'll be followed by Rosemary Ellen Giley. And of course, we'll squeeze in our uh, What's in the Box remote viewing experiment as well. If you'd like to participate in that, use the hashtag TCS Remote. John Rappaport uh, from No More Fake News stays with us for a while yet. Uh, John, a number of organizations, uh, uh, in- including Facebook, have taken it upon themselves. Uh, to, uh, like the teacher leaves the classroom, they're going to take names and uh, they're going to put the list together. They're going to decide who the fake news organizations are. Uh, I'm wondering, have you found yourself on any of those lists?
6: Not yet. Not yet. Um, But I see what their strategy is, of course. What's really happened here is that major media have figured out and the government has figured out, that social media is bigger than major news media. And so if they want help in censorship, they've got to go to Facebook, they've got to go to Twitter, they've got to go to YouTube, they've got to go to uh, Google. And that's what they're doing. They're saying, look, we need your help. We, you have to start censoring. You have to start carving away what we tell you is fake news, and don't let it be posted, don't let it be spread, because otherwise there's no way we can stop it, which is true. You know, I mean, somebody can put up a YouTube uh, video, and that can get more looks than a major story in any uh, newspaper in the world on a given day. So... In order to make this censorship thing happen, which is what major media, in collusion with uh, government, globalists and so forth, where do they go? They've got to go to social media. They've got to somehow try to put the clamps in, and that's what we're seeing now.
1: I'm guessing if you ended up on one of those fake news lists, you'd sort of wear it as a badge of honor, as would I.
6: Of course, yeah, sure. You know. They have nothing to say of any substance. All they want to say is, we know the truth. We, the major media, must vet the truth and decide what it is, digest it, and then we give it to you. That's where you get your news. That's the only way that news actually works. In fact, there was somebody at CNN a while ago talking about the uh, WikiLeaks of uh, dump of hillary clinton or dnc democratic national committee emails and he said straight away it's illegal for the public to read these emails that have been leaked
1: i remember that only we
6: the press can read them and then we decide what's news and we give it to you and that's the way you get the news well you know this guy of course was preposterous but he just doesn't get it people don't care they don't care what CNN has to say. They're getting their news wherever they're getting it from.
1: That's true. Uh, CNN—they're uh, becoming increasingly irrelevant, along with MSNBC. There was a uh, the uh, the co-host on Morning Joe on MSNBC, who is the daughter of Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, actually and blatantly. I mean, they're they're not even shy about it. Said. Uh, was worried that Trump was controlling the narrative and uh, was influencing people on how to think and she basically said that's our job to tell people how to think <laughs> did you see that clip
6: yes i did yes i did you know w- we tell we control how you think that's that's our job i mean they're coming out and saying things before they can stop themselves because as I say, they're in a panic. So certain things leak out from their mouths that ordinarily they would never, never put on the air. These kinds of spontaneous comments like, well, we're the ones who are supposed to control what you think. Don't you understand that? And then you stop and say, what did she just say? What was that? Oh, I see. She's saying that they're Involved in a massive day-to-day mind control program over the public. That's what she's saying. And they're supposed to be running the program, and she's afraid that somebody else might be running the program or that the program itself is falling apart. Once you understand that, then now, you know, the mask comes off. Now you see the truth.
1: John, one of the areas that you have really been hammering away at uh, and this speaks to your vast experience as a, an investigative medical reporter uh, is on the, the CDC. Uh, what's new in that uh, realm? What are you What are you covering? What are you interested in right now? Coming out of the Centers for Disease Control, I know you were all over the uh, you know the whistleblower uh, who came out about the uh, the uh, the vaccines and so forth. What's What's the latest?
6: Well, I think the latest could be coming from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. if in fact Trump does give the green light for an intensive uh, investigation of vaccine safety, which Kennedy says is going to happen and that he's going to lead it. We'll see. But statements that Kennedy has been making and writing are quite incredible. He knows what's going on at the CDC. He's saying, basically, look, they're operating as a for-profit company. They buy and sell huge amounts of vaccine every year, 3 to $4 billion worth. And, uh, in fact, from another source, I found the statistic that roughly 50% of the vaccines that children get in America come from the CDC, which most people don't realize. They don't understand the CDC is a government agency, but it's also operating as a for-profit company. So how can they, the CDC, talk about conflict of interest, have a science division which does studies on vaccine safety? You know, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is preposterous. Because when would the CDC ever say under any conditions that a vaccine wasn't safe? that's on their vaccine recommended schedule because they're buying that vaccine and they're selling it in huge quantities. So you're never gonna hear a statement out of them about safety that you could trust or believe in. Kennedy understands all this. He's called them out for it. He's called them out for an intrinsic conflict of interest that can't be resolved. So if this moves forward in some way, this investigation and a report It could be quite explosive.
1: And again, he he met with with, uh, uh, Trump, uh, I think, just after the inauguration. That's right. And uh, is pushing for another uh, congressional hearing on the safety and efficacy of vaccines. One of the key things—I mean, and you were all over the the CDC uh, whistleblower, Dr. Thompson, that whole story, Dr. William Thompson, and how uh, uh, through—was it Brian Smith— it came out that the, that Thompson admitted that he this report on uh, the safety of um, certain vaccines, the data was fudged, the connection between this vaccine and autism, the data was fudged. Uh, I'm guessing that one of the things Robert Kennedy Jr. would like to see would be for Dr. William Thompson and others at the CDC to be subpoenaed. Do you think that's going to happen?
6: Boy, I hope so. I don't know, but that's what is required. Get Thompson there under oath to testify. He said through his lawyer that he will. He's not going to talk to reporters, but he said that he would cooperate with the federal government. And to me, that means he would be willing to testify under oath. So it could go in that direction. The encouraging thing to me about Kennedy is that right now, he has enough information to convince any person with a few active brain cells that the CDC is terminally corrupt. Regardless of who he gets up there under oath to testify or how many lies these people tell, he already understands enough of the story so that he can do great damage to a terminally corrupt government agency, which is what I hope is going to happen here.
1: Do you think that um, uh, Kennedy had Trump watch Vaxxed, the documentary?
6: I don't know. My feeling is is that Trump probably saw it. Trump has uh, significant knowledge in this area, more than people realize. He isn't just shooting from the hip when he said during the campaign Yeah, something's going on with these vaccines, and parents see it, they know it, the kid is fine, gets a shot, and all of a sudden, he's never the same again. It's terrible, and we have to do something about it. That's pretty much what he said during the campaign. But from sources of mine, it's clear to me that he has spoken with people who are very knowledgeable about the truth about vaccines, because he's interested— He's been interested for a long time so in that area I would say that he knows enough of the story to know that he really should forward this investigation
1: anything else uh, on the horizon that we uh, what's your next uh, dispatch your next blog on uh, no more fake news.com concern
6: well let's see so many things here I'm going to be Uh, looking a little bit into academia, which I I do from time to time, colleges, brainwashing at colleges in the curriculum with the professors. uh, I wrote a piece not long ago quoting a statistic, 25% of all college students last year were either diagnosed with a mental disorder or treated for a mental disorder. Twenty-five
1: that's alarming. That Colleges is alarming.
6: Colleges have become psychiatric clinics.
7: Mm.
1: We had Scott Greer on the program. Scott Greer was on with us recently, um, No no Campus for White Men, uh, talking about what is going on in the college campuses and uh, how they have become indoctrination camps. It's It it frightens me because they're churning out these uh, people that will assume positions of power and influence. They will become program directors, news editors, city counselors, uh, and uh they they hate Western values and they hate they hate free speech
6: absolutely they have no tolerance for free speech whatsoever it's a madhouse it's developing more and more into a a crazed madhouse and behind it um, psychiatry is playing a major part with its toxic drugs diagnoses, and so forth that is one of the key hidden factors in this whole insanity that's going on.
1: You know what parents need to do? They need to seriously think about sending their kids off to schools like Berkeley uh, and many others. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that's, it's really now more than ever so crucial to, to know what's going on in the classrooms. Uh, students who attempt to videotape some of these professors that are going off on some... Marxist-Leninist tir- tirade, uh, and then they demand that the student be punished for videotaping. I mean, these are taxpayer-funded <laughs> colleges. Uh, we need to know what's going on in the classroom. But what they really need is, uh, the, I think the antidote to this indoctrination is uh, for people to go to nomorefakenews.com and um, purchase your Matrix series of CD-ROMs. John, thank you so much, as always.
6: Thank you, Richard. It's been great.
1: John Rappaport, nomorefakenews.com. Bookmark it. Visit often. Open lines when we come back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley and What's in the Box. My website, strangeplanet.ca. Say hello on Twitter at RichardSarratt, S-Y, because I love you, T and as always, follow the truth.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me into your home long haul truck, RV camper, taxi, Your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. Hi to all of you picking us up on one of our affiliate stations along the network, the podcast, of course, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, iTunes, and TalkZone.com. Uh, Those of you who take the show with you wherever you go on uh, your mobile device through the apps, either the Zoomer Radio app or the Conspiracy Show app, both fabulous and both free downloads. Um, And, of course, those of you joining us on the live YouTube stream, appreciate that. And uh, please take a moment and uh, click on the the subscribe button there. Again, we've set a a goal of 10,000 subs for 2017 and you are the only ones that can help us reach that and of course we are streaming live on uh, on youtube tonight and um, all of you who have uh, joined the live chat as well on youtube welcome to all of you it's always great to have you we recognize some names there who come by every week and we'd like to get some more people joining in on the chat And uh, so, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, of course, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. And speaking of company, we've got uh, the usual gang here assembled, Ian uh, Robertson on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and the dials and answering the phones as we gear up for our open line segment. Albert Vinzel, of course, my story producer, erstwhile remote viewer, and uh, Ryan White. Uh, intern who helps us out uh, produce the uh, feature Strange Planet, and uh, now that I have you uh, all assembled here in the studio, I want—and all of you listening at home—I want you. I want you to direct your attention. Direct your attention. To the cigar box to my left, sitting on the desk here in studio at 70 Jefferson Avenue. I'm giving you the coordinates. This is important. These are the protocols of remote viewing. Isn't that right, Albert? Yep. Yep, he heard it from the man himself. 70 Jefferson Avenue, Liberty Village of Toronto. And I want you to allow the contents of this box to form in your mind. Don't guess. Allow Allow the shape to form in your mind, the color, the texture. Once it begins to form in your mind, then you can step back and say, Well, what is that? This is our remote viewing experiment. We're going to go around the horn here in just a second, but for all of you who want to participate at home, use the hashtag. You can tweet me. Use the hashtag TCS Remote. That's TCS as in the conspiracy show. TCS Remote. And whoever. Comes closest, we'll set you up with some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise, incidentally. You can check out the online store at theconspiracyshow.com, theconspiracyshow.com, the online store. There's mugs, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, phone cases. I don't care if you've got an iPhone 6, a 4, an Android. We've got that covered for you, theconspiracyshow.com, the online store. All right, let's go around the horn quickly before we get into our uh, open line segment. Uh, let's begin with Albert Vinzel. What's in the box, Albert?
7: Okay, I I get yellow and the number seven, so I, I guess a banana.
1: All right, I Could like. Could be how way you de- off, uh, <laughs> All right, and uh, Ryan.
2: I see something very dry, like maybe a, an old starfish or a fossil.
1: Wow, something very dry, like Albert's sense of humor. A fossil. Uh, or a starfish. Interesting. And then uh, finally, to our rockabilly friend Ian Robertson on the other side of the glass. What's in the box, Ian?
2: Uh, I'm seeing something green.
1: Into the mic. I can't hear you. Uh, buddy. I'm seeing something green, maybe like a, a plant of some sort. Not sure. S- some vegetable matter <laughs> from <laughs> something, Ian. Something green. All right. We will uh, do the reveal at the uh, the bottom of the hour. And, again, if you'd like to participate in our remote viewing experiment, use the hashtag, send out the tweet, hashtag TCS, remote. All right. Let's open up the phone lines. And uh, I see we've done that, and we've got a full board of lines. Let me just give out the numbers in case uh, if someone drops off, jump on quick at 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740. That's for the Greater Toronto Area. And then toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. All righty then. Let's uh, launch into our open lines. And just a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. All right, we have Hunter checking in from my own hometown, Brantford, Ontario. Hello, Hunter.
7: Uh, good morning, Richard. How are you? Um, not too bad. Yourself?
1: Very well, thank you.
7: Good. I I won't I won't keep you long on this. Hopefully, um I, a couple of few years back ago um I saw something uh, tagged onto a a telephone pole in, in this big city here. Uh something about um uh, you know uh, a meeting type thing to talk about UFOs or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I thought in Brantford. I mean, you know, what are they doing? Setting a trap for all us crazies, or what? <laughs> setting a trap. So I, I, I never heard anything further about it or anything like that. But um,
1: well, that may have been the the Alien Cosmic Expo, which took place in Brantford last summer.
7: No, it was no? before or that looks like a year or two before that.
1: Well, I think they had one there the year before as well.
7: Okay. So uh, what I want to know, if you know anything is uh, I did hear something uh, over the radio one uh, night. Uh, um, somebody from, I think, southwestern South uh, United States uh, alluded to whatever it was that support, purportedly happened here, and I've not heard anything about it, but it sounded like it was some kind of a big deal.
1: Well, the Alien Cosmic Expo, and I participated in it last year, I, I moderated a panel, and they have, um, yeah, they have a lot of great speakers. Uh, uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer spoke last year. Uh, Richard Dolan. Uh, Stanton Friedman was there. I mean, it was a veritable who's who of ufology um, at the um, – I'm trying to think of the hotel there just off of Wayne Gretzky Parkway. It used to be the, uh, the best Western. And uh, they held it there a few years. And uh, they're moving it uh, to Toronto this year, I think, out near the airport. But the Alien Cosmic Expo – has uh, has been running in Branford for I'm, i don't know maybe three or four years now
7: so so um do you know what it is that occurred here in the last little while that's getting everybody jumping up and down about what happened in Brantford because I've never heard anything about it are you talking the time. Are, you,
1: are you talking about a specific a sighting of a UFO yeah, Oh like a that. sighting oh so, um no. No. Okay. And I've been home to Brantford recently, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't see anything in the good old Brantford Expositor, or the Explosion, as we used to call it. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I only knew one hunter my entire life in Brantford, and uh, he went to Woodman Drive Public School. You wouldn't be the same hunter, would you?
7: No. You didn't no. go
1: there? All right.
7: Okay, well, uh, thanks for your time, Richard. My pleasure. uh, If you do uh, unearth anything about it, could you mention it over the air sometime or whatever? Certainly
1: I will, and I hope you'll call again.
7: Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: All right. Uh, Brainwashed uh, is the comment uh, that Razia wants to speak about here in Toronto. Hey, Razia, welcome.
3: Hey. Yeah, I love your show. I listen to it every Sunday. Thank you. But you... I was thinking one day uh, about uh, about Judaism. I have a very good friend for 40 years. She's Hold on. Can I ask you I to mean, do something I for me? Razia, in Razia, India.
1: Razia, can I ask you to do yeah. something for me? You need to turn your radio off because oh, okay. we're getting a, an echo here, okay? Okay. There we go. That's better. All right. You have a friend. Yeah. You,
3: so I was thinking like uh, wondering why David was... The king and not Solomon. Because Solomon was noted for his justice. Whereas David, like, committed, um, broke the first commandment and also another commandment. Oh, yes. Thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not cover your neighbors' wives or chattel, you know. And you said word for word what I had been thinking. And you had a guest with you who said that, uh, oh, yeah, somebody can um, brainwash you. And I've been told, and the only communication I get, this started two years ago when I bought a stereo for the first time and started listening to music. And uh, many times somebody has told me, you've been hypnotized, you've been brainwashed. And I kept thinking, what are they talking about here? It can't be me. But you said word for word that day what I was thinking. And then uh, Miss Giley came one day, I think last time, not before that. She came on the show, and I have a picture of the Sai Baba. And she said that Sai Baba, she said... Sai Baba is one of those people who are, like, sacred, you know. And, I'm like, you've been giving me hints as to what's going on in my life. It's so bizarre that it will take a lot of time to tell you.
1: But <laughs> well, then, it sounds like, we're, uh, that sounds that like said, we're on the same wavelength, no, Raisa. listen. Yes.
3: You also got a guest that said that he had a computer chip inserted into his body, and he never knew it for five years that she was being programmed. And I have a lump on my wrist, not just above my wrist, on my palm, on the other side where the wrist, not the wrist side, the other side, on the palm, on the opposite side, a big lump.
1: All right, well, you might want to get...
3: At first I thought I must have banged my hand on something. Well, you may want to get that checked
1: out, gotta, I gotta fly here because we're heading into a break. Get that x-ray, find out what's going on there. Even if it's not a chip, could be something you might want to have taken care of. Uh, nevertheless, thank you for checking in, Razia, and I hope you'll call again. Back with more of your calls, questions, comments, ask me anything
0: here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarant from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Giley,
1: our paranormal news investigator, researcher, joins us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, let's check in with uh, Earl in Oakville. Earl, good evening, Hi, good morning. Hi there.
8: Uh, I wonder what the spider and the snake think of all of this, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> the spiders and the snakes.
8: The spider and the snake. The serpent and the god. Ah. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, well, you fill me in. What are you talking
8: okay, about? Okay, uh, well, many years ago when I was at college, mm-hmm. I left my coffee on the table, and I went to the washroom, and I came back, and I drank my coffee, and I could not breathe. I stopped breathing, and I felt the spider inside me crawling, and I started breathing a few seconds later. So I said to myself, this has got to be a bloody miracle for crying out loud. And so, but that's a long story. Um, I don't want to bore you anymore with that, but I want to get to the fake news. Many years ago, I was watching the news, and the guy on the television set, the anchorman, said, you know, this is a show we're putting on. It's to entertain you. I was wondering what he was talking about. So um, I was at Union Station one day, and there was a strike going on. And what they did was they organized all the people that were on strike in a line, and they filmed it. They actually were directing it. So I was saying to myself, holy smokes, they're setting this up. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. Yes, it's yeah. all a show. Yes, well, it's, news, it, it's, it's called, a it's, it's, a new, it's, it's, a it's news entertainment, right. You know what sure. I mean?
8: Sure. Okay, Richard, it's been nice talking to you, pal. You take Likewise. care of yourself, okay? Thank you, Earl.
1: Appreciate okay, that. Bye. All right, uh, let's check in with our media scientist friend, Nelson Fall, here in Toronto. Nelson, good evening.
5: How are you doing tonight, tonight Richard? I am just
1: top drawer, thank you.
5: That's good. Last time we spoke, we said we'd take a look at a synopsis of a figure-ground relationship with um, the art of the deal and all that that represents as figure.
1: What do you mean and by what? what it, hang on, Nelson. What do you mean by uh, what it represents as figure? You have to explain that. What that means?
5: Well, the figure-ground art of the deal is figure. Seven-year peace pact. The biblical prophecy of the seven-year peace pact as the hidden ground. Okay. So the the, the Events that we're watching, you can see, are falling into line with the mini prophecy and big prophecy, uh,
1: meaning that uh, a peace with Russia, then perhaps peace with uh, peace in the Middle East, well, we which which ushers in the seven year peace, ushers in the tribulation. So you're talking about biblical prophecy here,
5: exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's growing. It, it, you can't ignore it. I mean, Netanyahu was on the other day, and in the last two months, he's made it clear that he's in negotiations with uh, other Arab states to recognize Israel and its right to exist, which is part of a peace pact. And in return, um, the Israelis are going to recognize a Palestinian state then uh, Jerusalem's given over into the hands of the international city folks, which is the Vatican, which they got a- in Oslo anyway. It's mentioned in Oslo. And in return, the Temple Mount and is a part of the Temple Mount is given for the temple for the Jews to rebuild.
1: Right. But you mentioned The Art of the Deal, uh, President Trump's well, book. So I, are you suggesting that he's, that he's that going to facilitate these trade got, deals?
5: We've got it. A- yeah, we've got the, these one peace of the deals? biggest deals looming on the horizon of all time, a seven-year peace pact between the Jews and the Arabs, and up pops a man who's an expert on making deals.
1: So you're not, are you suggesting, uh, Nelson, then, that Donald Trump is the Antichrist?
5: No, he's not the Antichrist. He'd be an agent of Gabriel the Angel. He's a, he's a, he's a judge like Samson. His power is in his hair.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but isn't the Antichrist the one that's supposed— He's suppo- judge. He's not the Antichrist. Okay. He's a, but, judge.
5: Well, he's a catalyst to put the peace back deal together, which it seems he's doing.
1: Okay, but I thought—and you, you're um, a very wise and sage student at the Bible, and I learn a lot from you about uh, the, the Bible— but I thought that the Antichrist is the one who is going to cobble together this false peace deal—
5: One thing in mind, the Bible makes it very clear that there have been many Antichrists. So there's lots of little Antichrists, and there's a capital A, last Antichrist, at the end time. So if you want to find out about the big A, there's a lot of little As, and they're all out there. Antiochus Epiphanes is one who goes in. uh, He was an Antichrist.
1: All right. But so the, the, we've
5: but, had many small antichrists, as the Bible says, using small a. Right. There's a last one antichrist, but it certainly isn't Donald Trump. No, I didn't
1: no, I didn't think, I would, it, I, didn't no, think I would hear that. I didn't think I would hear
3: that from your question.
5: Last Trump is a judge, power right. of Samson, like Samson powers in his hair. He's a judge who judges. So we've got really in the White House a guy, we've already got a guy, he's in the White House and he's also in the Supreme Court. He's got judgment powers.
1: All right, so yeah, you and I will um, we'll put that show together and we'll do it.
5: Yeah, it's interesting because the mini prophecy is there and starting to be obvious to just the uh, the internet surfer who looks into these stories and looks for the dots. They're well, there.
1: my feeling is uh, that uh, Trump is going to run into. Uh, we've already seen the opposition he's running into by trying to. Um, Bring about sort of a a, a a detente. I know we're not officially in a Cold War, but uh, to smooth things over with Russia. We saw what happened to uh, uh, to Eisenhower and Kennedy and Nixon when they tried to do the same thing. Uh, the war party, this deep state, does not want the United States to make peace with Russia. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of concerned uh, well, about remember, what may happen. There's
5: going to be wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be worried. The end is not yet. So we're, you're going to have the wars and the rumors of wars and terrorism, um, as it says in the book of Deuteronomy. If you don't live according to the natural, the, the divine laws, you're going to suffer penalties and cursing and things, which is what we're under. It's called Jacob's Trouble.
1: What do you make of the, uh, the comparisons of Trump and, uh, and uh, Cyrus, King Cyrus, from the book of Daniel?
5: Yeah that that that's that's out there as a, as as a thought but um biblical scholars uh see him more as a reflection of um I won't go into details now but one of the kings of Israel one of the kings of the house of Israel so he uh, he there's a number of different kings Joash and some others who um wasn't Joash but uh off the top of my head, I can I don't have it in front of me, but it's one of the first kings he's been compared to, which is more likely, rather than Cyrus, who was not uh, he was uh, a quote a Gentile, so to speak. He was uh, um, not of the house of Israel.
1: No, he wasn't. But he did he did help build a wall around Jerusalem, and uh, rumor has it he got someone else to pay for it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's
5: true or not. But
1: Nelson, always a pleasure.
5: Terrific, Richard, and once again, keep up the great work. This is a great time to be doing radio and um, to be in, in the ability to uh, to to, uh, to pat yourself on the back for having lots of time long ago stuck your neck out and uh, and said, Hey, there's some fake news out there, and they're 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 very prime time people, and you were right, we were right, so it's important to not forget.
1: All right, there you go. Nelson Thal. You too, likewise. Uh, Let's see. Connor is checking in from Louisiana. Hey, Connor, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Very well, thank you. How are you picking us up tonight?
2: Oh, this is great. I can hear you very well. Also, please, excuse my southern drawl. Ex- a lot it's a lot worse on the phone. Excuse it, I
1: love it. Yeah, Come no, on, I no know. apologies I got that needed. A lot. <laughs> now, but how are you hearing the program? Are you listening to us? How are you I picking us up? I
2: Just found you on a whim about an hour ago. I was on Reddit and I was looking for really good conspiracy podcasts because. Always been drawn to a conspiracy podcast. So, you're str- are you George streaming
1: Ford. us online, or are you listening to the, through the app, or how uh, are you? Yes,
2: doing? I was listening through YouTube. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, oh you're on the uh, the YouTube stream. Great. All right. I okay. hope you'll subscribe before you leave. Now,
2: I already did. <laughs> terrific.
1: Great to have you aboard, Connor. What's on your mind?
2: Okay. Well, so my question was, what propaganda do you think we're being influenced by? This maybe not necessarily as blatant as the ones we already know, like CNN. MSNBC and Fox News.
1: You're looking for other programs that are
2: what that what, what, are what what things are propagating guess, fake news? Yes, I guess. I guess my question is like, what things are we being influenced by to shift public opinion? That's not just as clear as watching the news,
1: right? Like, well, it's so pervasive. Uh, it starts. It's it clearly starts in the schools, right? Um, and I I guess if we wanted to really define what we're talking about here in in very stark black-and-white terms, to me, anyway, Connor, it comes down to two forces, two opposite forces. On the one hand, you have globalism and the globalists who hate the nation-state. Okay. Uh, And this is, at least on the ground, it is informed by a... Uh, 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 several groups that on the surface seem to be uh, diametrically opposed but they are convenient allies for the moment because their main objective is to destroy the nation state okay. and so you have this, this kind of a strange alliance um, groups on the left even some on the far right um, but it's but it, 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 um, it is being this, this mindset of, of globalism is good is, is embraced by uh, cultural Marxists and this is being uh, this is being inculcated, uh, young people in the schools, at a very early age, uh, where they'll, for example, now listen, uh, full cards on the table, full disclosure. I am not a big fan of international type organizations like the United Nations. I think we should have a, a seat at the table, but I'm not a big fan. Mm-hmm. So they'll 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 have things like celebrating uh, United Nations Day, and they celebrate international type organizations. Uh, over and above, for example, uh, celebrating their own nation's achievements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so globalism in all its you know, um, well, ramifications over the, the nation state. And and uh, that to me is the great divide. Well, Which side are you on? I'm on the side of the nation state because I, I think it's, it's best suited to provide for our needs and our happiness.
2: Yeah, that it's was going into perfect. my next question. Like, Because for many years, I mean, I'm only 19 right now, but uh, even as young as, like, 14, I was listening to Alex Jones. And something that I've never heard, I've always heard this word globalism tossed around, and I've always had an, a negative connotation with it. Now, definitely I'm not coming out in support of it, but one thing I've never heard necessarily addressed is why globalism would be a bad thing. And if you could explain that to me, That'd be awesome because I've never I've never heard that addressed specifically why would right. be bad.
1: Well, there I, there are some aspects of of globalism which you know are are not horrendous. Mm-hmm. The idea from a strictly economic point that capital hates barriers, capital hates boundaries, mm-hmm. uh, and so globalists want uh, to bring down trade barriers, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, so that aspect of it is okay. But if you push it to it, its extreme, uh, where you totally erode uh, borders and, and uh, you have um, areas where you know, regulations are, are sort of homogeneous from, from one area to the next, you erode the sovereignty. So, for example, here in Canada, we have a parliament. But our parliament can be overruled uh, by, the, by GATT. The General Agreement on Trades and Tariffs, uh, so our Parliament loses sovereignty. Even our Supreme Court could be overruled by this tribunal that adjudicates over general agreements on trades and tariffs. This is a this is a globalist body that wants free trade the world over, and um, I mean there are many examples where. Uh, countries. I mean, we have a flag, we have a parliament, we have all the trappings of a nation state, but we really aren't a nation state. Look at uh, countries in the European Union. They don't even control their own monetary policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are being dictated to by unelected bureaucrats in Brussels. And the European Union is kind of a prime example of a, sort of a globalist scheme. Uh, sure. If you think your 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 government is in in Washington D.C. or the state capital in Louisiana is distant and unresponsive, think how much more unresponsive it would be to your needs if we had a a one world government situated in the Hague
2: uh, or
1: in Zurich. Um, right.
2: I've heard that I've heard that issue with it. Essentially, that the further away the seat of power is, that the less likely your needs are to be met. So, essentially, too, the point that you're making is that globalism too would is would make the rich richer as well, because of, like free trade. Uh,
1: it certainly benefits certain corporations uh, that have no allegiance to a nation state. I think a corporation uh, should be uh, should be loyal to a nation state and to the workers that it employs in a particular uh, jurisdiction. Uh, so, certain corporations love the idea of globalization. They don't want boundaries to, uh, to either labor or capital. Uh, listen, I hope you'll call again, Connor. Thank you, and welcome to the program. Thank you. All right, for those of you we didn't get to, my apologies. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is next with our Paranormal News Roundup, and we'll do the big reveal on what's in the box.
0: Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free, 740 4740 You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right. Uh, just ahead of Rosemary Ellen
1: Guiley, very quickly, we're going to do the, uh, the reveal on our What's in the Box segment, our remote, remote viewing experiment. And uh, let's see. Uh, Ian, you said vegetable matter, something green, and uh, Albert said that it's a, ban- a banana. And Ryan said it's something dry, uh, like a fossil or uh, a, a starfish. Uh, nobody close on that count. And let's see, what do we have here on um, on the, ch- the the live chat? Uh, some uh, Darth Bader said the box contains something made of milk. Uh, Quibit Nano says weed. Uh, Todd Chadwick is guessing lip gloss. Uh, blah blah Tuesday <laughs> says it's a cigar, and uh, Gord Oland said a, a tan belt. Uh, And then Quibbit Nano, who seems to have one thing on the mind, uh, now says it's a hemp belt. Uh, And uh, let me see. I don't know if I can get into my Twitter here in a hurry. Let me see. Oh, dagnabbit. Okay. Uh, Let's see. What do we have on Twitter? And you can use the hashtag at... uh, Or, or, sorry, hashtag TCS remote. Uh, Ross says, something to do with the cold. A snow globe... And uh, let's see, what else do we have? A granola bar, says Aaron. And, hmm, that's it. Um, something pet-related. Pet-related. I don't know what that means, something to do with a pet. Could be anything. Well, uh, we really didn't have anyone that was close, I don't think. Uh, here's what we have. It's a Ma- Toronto Maple Leaf alarm clock. I don't know. What do you think? Is Snow Globe? Snow Globe is not really close, is it? No. No. You had sort of the general shape, I suppose. But uh, Toronto Maple Leaf clock. All right. Thank you for playing. We'll try again next week. All right. Let's get into it with uh, our dear, dear friend, Rosemary Ellen Giley. She joins us. Uh, Once a month as we go through uh, some paranormal news, she's a leading expert in the metaphysical paranormal fields with more than 60 books published on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias and reference works. Her current work focuses on interdimensional entity contact experiences, problem-haunting spirit and entity attachments. Her website is VisionaryLiving.com. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome back. How are you?
4: Hi, Richard. Well, I'm uh, trying to stay warm here. We're having an, an incredible cold snap, and uh, I think I came back from Arizona too soon.
1: Yeah, likewise. It's. Uh, I'm hoping that this is the death rattle of winter, its last gasp.
4: It better be, but it's giving me some good time to stay indoors and get a lot of writing done. I'm working on some paranormal travel stories.
1: Ah, all right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, to, to seeing those published. Uh so much going on uh, in the paranormal vein. This, one, this story caught my eye recently. I remember a couple of years ago there was an airport in China that was shut down after uh, multiple UFO sightings. They literally shut the airport down. Now the same thing has happened uh, in Peru last week. A dozen UFOs suspended flights at the Jorge Chavez airport. What do you know? What do you hear?
4: Uh, not much beyond that, but it's a credible sighting and a credible story, and it's something that we see happen from time to time in airports all around the world. And We've had uh, a number of sightings like that here in America. There was a, a big one in 206 over Chicago uh, involving a single craft. We've had uh, craft sighted at recently within the past year in the Phoenix airport. Uh, and uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, if we have... Alien intelligences who are interested in examining people and especially our technology, it would make sense that um, they would drop in on our airports. So um, we haven't had much follow up on this Peru story, uh, other than the characteristics of it are similar to sightings that have occurred at other airports. And of course, officially, there's never any explanation of. Here in America, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, tends to deny these sorts of things. Um, there's usually some uh, natural explanation put forward as how this was a mistaken identity sort of thing. But it happens too often uh, to be attributed to that.
1: Well, you're right. You mentioned the Chicago the O'Hare UFO incident, and I, I spoke to the reporter at the Chicago Trib who covered that story. The most clicked story on uh, their online version of the newspaper in the history of the newspaper, uh, but no photographs, some eyewitness testimony, but it was very hush-hush with the United Airlines pilot or uh, uh, staff. But here in Peru, we've got, we've got photographs, we've got a radar. Um, radar. Uh, this is a flotilla. This is a dozen craft, and there they are, Hovering above the airport and it shuts it down. We'll uh, come back. Much to discuss still with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, part of our Paranormal News Roundup. Stay with us.
0: When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-740. 4-7-40. 4 seven forty. Rosemary Ellen
1: Giley is with us, our paranormal investigator, researcher, great friend of the program, and it's that time of the month for our Paranormal News Roundup. Uh, we're going to dial back to uh, 1973, and uh, I was a, a big Jackie Gleason fan. I, I remember the honeymooners. Uh, which were, of course, in reruns. The, the program aired, obviously, well before my time, but it, it lives forever in reruns, one of the classic characters, Ralph Cramden. Uh, many of uh, listeners will remember, of course, Jackie Gleason from the Smokey and the Bandits movie, and he became you know famous to an entirely new generation. But many people not, may not be familiar with this story, Rosemary, and this goes back to 1973. Jackie Gleason and his golfing buddy, then-president Richard Nixon supposedly, according to um, Gleason's—I think it was his second wife, um, Miss McKittrick, um, Beverly uh, McKittrick, claims that Gleason and Nixon one night traipsed off to the Homestead Air Force Base in Florida, because Gleason lived in Florida, uh, to visit uh, on the base and see some dead alien bodies. And, of course— This has sort of perplexed ufologists for years. Is it true? Is it not? I don't know if we're ever going to get to the bottom of this one, but what do you make of this story? Did Jackie Gleason see alien bodies?
4: I'm very suspicious of this story, and it keeps going around in ufology with people coming down on it on both sides. He did or he didn't. But there's just too many suspicious things about it, Richard. Um, For one thing, um, the idea that A president of the United States is going to sneak off um, with a friend and go to an Air Force base to look at alien bodies without Secret Service or anybody knowing is just too far out of the question. And even though uh, people who believe in this story uh, jump to say that, well, it was known uh, that um, Nixon made uh, comments about he would like to get away from his Secret Service and Um, one of the uh, Secret Service men who was working at the time uh, published something later that um, uh, they were warned that Nixon might try to do that. But we don't have anything on record that he ever got away from his constant Secret Service guard. And if he had, um, that would have been a huge story, even huger than aliens, a president to be out of protection from the Secret Service. And if he did do it and it got covered up, that's a cover-up worthy of Watergate itself. So I'm, I'm suspicious just uh, on that alone. Um, but it makes for a great story. You know, they say. go golfing, uh, then uh, this impromptu drive uh, down to Homestead. To look at these aliens and some description of the aliens. I mean, Gleason told his second wife, Beverly, um, that uh, they were kind of decomposed and kind of withered up, and they were small and gray. They had big heads, sort of sounds like the the grays we're familiar with from the media. Um, Now, he was fascinated by uh, UFOs and space travel and alien visitations. So, um, you know, people aren't surprised about that, that Gleason would want, want to see some proof of of alien bodies but i don't think he did i i think it's um maybe he uh, told it as a joke on his wife um maybe he never intended for it to get circulated around like uh, like it has been but it's a story that just won't die
0: yeah I,
1: I i don't know that um we ever heard this story from any other source other than gleason's second wife beverly mckittrick and so as you say uh She's not lying necessarily. He, she's repeating the story exactly as Gleason probably told her. The problem is, or not the problem, but odds are he was telling it as a joke. I guess
4: that that's my conclusion, and um, mainly just because the circumstances are just too outrageous. Uh, to have taken place,
1: right? For a private citizen uh, to have uh, to have access that way, uh, you're right. It does stretch uh, credulity to say the least. Uh, interesting story in the Daily Mirror in uh, London, England, and uh, this this is actually caught on video. If people go, well, I'll get Albert to post this to the uh, the Carousel up at uh, uh, StrangePlanet.ca and the the radio page. We have a um, uh, a police a police officer running in terror from a, hu- a house after a poltergeist supposedly threw a 15 centimeter knife at them narrowly missing an officer and I'm just looking I don't see a date line on this but I think it was in South America wasn't it
4: it was in Chile and uh, I did look at the video. Um, I didn't see police running in terror, but uh, there were certainly a lot of them going in and out of this house, and it looked like lights were going on and off, which would be another poltergeist effect. And it's, it's a plausible story. Uh, in fact, in the literature of poltergeist cases, extreme poltergeist Cases where things are thrown, and especially dangerous objects like nails and broken glass and knives and things like that. Those kinds of cases are on record, and most of them, oddly, come out of South America. And uh, some of them have never really been debunked uh, in terms of uh, hoaxing. So it's a uh, based on the the literature and um, what we know about poltergeist cases. This. Story possibly has some credibility. What's lacking from the news report is the background. Now the family said they were terrified. They they weren't in the house. They left the house. They didn't want to go back. They thought somebody should come and exercise it. But we don't have the backstory. Uh, does the family involve uh, a teenager, for example? Because a lot of times uh, these cases do center around um, uh, teenagers. Uh, were they involved in any kind of occult activity? Uh, was this something that they had experienced before, like a spirit that might be attached to someone in the family? And uh, so I'd like to know more about the background of this case because um, the, um, the description of, of uh, things being thrown through the air, very believable.
1: Yes, and then to have uh, police officials on site and sort of corroborating this gives it even more... Uh, authenticity. It reminds me of—now, you're in Connecticut. It reminds me of the um, the Bridgeport poltergeist on Lindley Street, where p- many police officers showed up and, and corroborated. They saw things flying all over the place.
4: Yes, and we've had uh, parapsychologists and, and uh, scientists even investigate some of these uh, poltergeist cases and witness uh, those sorts of things as well. So um uh the, these are real cases and this might uh, be added to the literature.
1: Have you been to the uh, the, the the house in Bridgeport it's it's, it's uh, sort of heralded as the world's most haunted house?
4: I have not. Um and uh, I have read about it. Um a new book came out just a couple of years ago on that house and documented an incredible history of of activity. Uh, and um, it, it's a place that I don't know if it's off limits now to investigations or not.
1: All right. Uh, from uh, the uh, poltergeist throwing knives, uh, again we go to the uh, the Daily Mirror. It's such a it's a treasure trove of these uh, sorts of stories. They cover them so well over there in in Great Britain. And uh, this is a story of a a 23 year old filmed laughing maniacally, writhing, and even trying to bite. Uh, an exorcist it appears they have caught on videotape uh, well it's it's an alleged demonic possession this young man is hissing like a wild animal baring his teeth as an exorcist attempts to rid him of his demons what do you make of this video
4: it's definitely plausible and i did watch the video the young man uh does act like people who are under the influence of something uh, he does not appear to be acting and um it get, Individuals who are possessed, uh, they do exactly what he does, writhe, make odd sounds, hiss, moan, their eyes roll, um, their faces get contorted. People have to hold them down because uh, they become very agitated and even exhibit supernormal strength. And the story behind him uh, is that um, he became very, very depressed uh, after the death of his father, and... Uh, Sometimes when individuals go into states of deep depression, depending on what else is going on in their lives, they can become vulnerable to spirit influence. A full-blown possession is a rather unusual outcome of that, but um, it's technically possible. Now, uh, a lot of people criticize this story and, and the video saying, oh, he's acting, but um, I think they're comparing this to what they see in Hollywood, which is never what you get in real life. Uh, Real-life possessions are never as dramatic as uh, something like The Exorcist or The um, Exorcist uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, you know, films like that. So um, uh, at the end of this exorcism, the young man appears very shaken uh, but uh, calmed. And depending upon his situation, that might be it, or he might need further treatment.
1: Well, it's interesting. This story is also from Chile. So we had uh, the Poltergeist incident in Chile. This one in Chile, and then we had the UFO, the flotilla shutting down the airport at Jorge Chavez Airport in Peru. So,
4: South Amer- down you there. need to
1: get down there and find out what is going on, Rosemary.
4: I'm all for it. It's probably warmer down there than it is here. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> no doubt. Um, this is uh, these stories fascinate me. I love stories about uh, ghost ships and now ghost planes. There's a uh, um, a plane that some people have claimed to have seen appear as a ghostly apparition, and it looks like sort of a vintage World War uh, II plane, I th- uh, uh, like a, a a twin prop kind of a transport carrier or a bomber. It's uh, similar to what they call a Douglas Dakota. Uh, This ghost plane, what can you tell me about
7: it?
4: This is in Derbyshire, and uh, the area around Derbyshire has had a number of plane crashes uh, over the decades, and people have blamed it on magnetic anomalies. They say that it's an area like the Bermuda Triangle. But nonetheless, uh, this is a kind of residual haunting because uh, there was a plane uh, that crashed there. And um, about uh, 70 years ago, and this is in keeping with other residual World War II airplane activity that's reported around England at some of the old RAF abandoned uh, airfields where uh, there are still sounds of airplanes taking off and landing and um, apparitions of people and sounds of people um, who were working in in the facilities. And this is a ghost plane that that, uh, people have seen on a number of occasions over a period of years, flying very low and erratically uh, and silently. And they anticipate a crash in a field, and none comes. The plane just kind of disappears. And that's exactly what happened to uh, uh, the airplane that did crash. It it, uh, crashed into a field that... um, where people think the ghost plane crashes today. So it's a great story, and it has plenty of company in the U.K. with other kinds of World War II-era uh, ghost planes and airfields.
1: That's uh, Maybe that's uh, could be the subject of your next book. you got to get a hightail over there and... Uh, uh put something on paper about these ghost planes because it's it's a fascinating area rosemary we are out of time always a pleasure and let me remind listeners the website visionaryliving.com go to her bookstore and like i said like 60 plus titles it's incredible always a pleasure rosemary thank you
4: thank you very much richard good night
1: good night my thanks to uh, ian and albert and ryan and all of you listening at home back next week with a brand new program hope you'll be along for that in the meantime don't be afraid there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you speak in what you hear in the dark speak in the light what I say in a whisper proclaim from the housetops move over Aphrodite I'm coming home good night